0: Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Good evening, good afternoon, hello everybody, welcome to this episode of the Stargate Archives. Tonight, I am joined by Jeff. How are you, mate? I'm doing okay. Hello, everyone. We'll be glad that you've missed out on the last 10 minutes of us trying to adjust various Skype settings to maximise recording quality. We've finally given up and decided to record the show regardless. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tonight's episode is going to be Brief Candle. Yes, the one where Jack eats some cake, has some sex, gets old. Let that be a lesson to you.
1: Can we talk about her now, or do we want to wait till she shows up? Because i got something to read about her out loud.
0: We can wait until she shows up, which isn't too long into the episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Brief Candle. Ah, wrong, looking at the wrong page. That's a great start to the show, Michael.
1: <laughs> it starts out with this annoying dude in a coffee shop who studied too much college poetry doing poetry reading.
0: <laughs> is that it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what it felt like.
0: <laughs> right. Brief Candle. This is a story by Stephen Barnes teleplay by katherine powers who wrote eight episodes of stargate sg1 she also wrote for the next generation and deep space nine and the episode was directed by mario Azapardi. five episodes of sg1 and four episodes of atlantis to his credit
1: not a whole lot considering the episodes there were
0: jobbing directors tend to move around and then get maybe pigeonholed into one show where they do a lot of time on
1: yeah i mean for him to do four or five in each one that's cool but it For him to do the ones in Atlantis, he must have been doing something else in between.
0: Uh, To Limits, Total Recall, Highlander, Kung Fu, The Legend Continues.
1: He was definitely busy.
0: Yep. Time tremors. Does not ring a bell? Uh, Canadian sci-fi. Well, who's ever heard of any Canadian (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi? The episode opens up on some sort of beachfront, and there's a temple in the background. We zoom in to uh, inside, where there's a stargate. And some huge statue, figure with a lightning bolt, which you automatically think, oh, Zeus. But no, Daniel identifies him as it Pollux.
1: Hellops. P-E-L-O-P-S, I believe.
0: Yeah, there was a little bit of banter between him and Jack. Daniel explains, oh, you know, he refines his identification a little bit more, but eventually it comes right down to the fact, yeah, Greek.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a very Daniel and Jack.
0: <laughs> and then we, we hear some crying. You know, mild screaming coming from the back of the temple. Weapons out, they rush around and find a pregnant woman giving birth or just about to give birth. Help me, help me. And everyone
1: assumes Ham's know what's to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Uh, obviously, you know, the old trope that women not only are taught to know what to do, but it comes natural to them. Well, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Let me jump to the credits. We open back up into the temple scene again. We find a bit of Daniel's backstory where, on a dig, he actually took a few lessons from one of the local midwives and delivered a baby.
1: Yep, because, of course, Daniel knows how to give birth.
0: Probably had more experience in areas that didn't have reasonable medical care or relied on midwives and local medicine people. It does make sense. Yeah. Of course, how many babies have you delivered? Two, including this one. (laughs) Not bad. The young woman, Um. Thetis, and her husband, Alikos, Gabriel Miller and Harrison Coe, they have a bouncing baby boy who looks pretty healthy, pretty clean. they got a birthmark on his arm, Comes was important for actually identification later on in the episode.
1: And the birthmark actually seemed to get darker as he got older, too. Could have just been video quality in this case, but I couldn't really see how well it looked until later on in the episode, see the shape it was.
0: I got the impression that it was probably genetically encoded into him. Yeah. Not just a birthmark. so it's more of a brand than anything else.
1: Yeah, it did have a, a more of a brand look to it, that's for sure.
0: And we are told that these people are called the Chosen, which never bodes well, does it? <laughs> never. Definitely a story to be told about these people. And we get the story in
1: during the episode. I do like the nod here once they go outside the temple. And even though it's important to the, the episode and the story and the episode itself, the idea that they're looking around like, huh, everyone here is good looking. I had the feeling that was also kind of a, a slam or a nod to so many other shows where everyone is magically good looking.
0: Yeah, Star Trek, we're looking at you, Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is It is uncanny that uh, most of the inhabitants... Well, we do learn that these people live for 100 days, but there doesn't seem to be anybody over the age of 60 or 70.
1: see anyone that looked that old.
0: No, and there should be. I mean, as we know the story, yeah. you know, 100 days of luxury, living the high life, kids develop very fast. There comes a point where it's got to show on your face, at, at the very least, but... Like they said, nobody looked over 40, definitely nobody over 50 or 60, if the lifespan is being accelerated. But at this point, we know nothing about this.
1: I think with their their rapid growth, which, you know, maybe the thing that does rapid growth takes care of it, but I would imagine, like that one boy they show who's supposed to be only 12 days old, the growing pain of his bones stretching that quickly had to have been excruciating.
0: I wonder if it happens overnight. That makes some sense. When everyone's knocked out. (laughs) Yeah. It is a small village, but then again there's no real population growth, is there?
1: No, and they never showed though I just kind of assume there's like a replicators type situation for everyone's food since they clearly don't grow their own food or supply their own food in any way.
0: Yeah. If their god has gone to this level of complexity and detail, though probably planting fruit trees or grain or something like that, which, you know, provides food all the year round, not that difficult.
1: Yeah, well cake,
0: the all important cake.
1: I don't think she baked that cake on her own.
0: Probably not, no. Can't imagine anybody actually, you know, being taking lessons in cake making or anything. It's, you're wasting your time when you can be partying or drinking or dancing or something like that. Yeah, it looked like some nice shaved coconut on top too. I think initially when we covered it on the Gatecast, we just considered it some sort of pizza. But they did call it a cake. Yeah. Pizza's not a bad analogy for it. Yeah, it has toppings. That defines a pizza in my book.
1: <laughs> well, for me, a pizza requires red sauce. Okay. It has to have the red sauce people make these buffalo chicken wing pizzas with sour cream like no no no. there's no marinara there's no red sauce it's not a pizza it's some bread with some crap you threw on it but it's not pizza
0: (laughs) yeah so sg1 is sitting next to a small fountain or at least pool of some sort admiring the people the dancing have said with commenting on how everybody looks young and healthy a young woman giving jack the eye jack is giving her the eye back a few giggles a few whispers which Anybody knows when a group of girls start whispering like that, you're in trouble. <laughs> it could turn out good, yeah. it could turn out bad, but something's being planned.
1: Yeah, I was kind of surprised Jack didn't pick up on the clear undertones of what was going on.
0: Well, at this point, he hasn't even got Firefly to teach him how to act when a, a woman comes up and presents something to you. Cynthia, <laughs> played by Bobby Phillips. You have information? Yeah.
1: Go to her IMDb. And I don't know who fills her agent or who wrote the bio for her, but it's kind of funny. Bobby Phillips is an actress, animal advocate, and a true chameleon. 1998, she starred in three chameleon movies, both on screen and off. Bobby has portrayed a variety of characters in various genres throughout her career. Perhaps most widely recognized for her award-winning role as sexy entomologist Dr. Bambi Barrenbaum on *War of the Corpses*, an *X-Files* episode. Okay. <laughs> I vaguely remember that episode. I don't remember her. I should have remembered her from that episode.
0: I certainly know the name. I remember her in the cape, which surprised me. was actually before Stargate, Stuart. I don't know. I don't think I ever watched the cape. Only lasted a season. Yes, she approaches Jack, offers him food. He takes it. He's giving her the eye. He savors the delicious moistness of the the cake. (laughs) Daniel reaches for it. Oh, no. This is only for you.
1: Yeah, Daniel had a look on his face at that point, which really kind of said to me that he was starting to say that, that was some sort of marriage offering that Jack was just given, and he wasn't saying anything about it.
0: Well, what happened on Abidos? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Speak up, Daniel. <laughs> you know, you, you've lived this before. You should know what's happening. I mean, even Tilk. He, he chimes up. I think she wants to spend some time with O'Neill, too, right?
1: <laughs> right. I had a note. That was one of my notes. Like, everyone gives Jack crap, even Tilk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know something's wrong when Tilk actually offers information like that. It's like a big white flag. Alert, alert, mayday. Trouble on the horizon.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: This is also where the team learn about the 100 days. They think it refers to just the party. So when Jack gets dragged off by some of the women, sat down, and then he gets a very civilized lap dance, his own personal belly dancer.
1: Right, and the picture, the good picture of the dance on Messenger before we start talking. The dance and the title of the... The episode tied together is the whole Moth of flame, Yeah. Her wings as she's dancing.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, his vision starts to distort. Obviously, <laughs> at yeah. this point, you think, oh, you know, something's going on, you know, dodgy cake. And then it kind of cuts to the interior of one of the buildings and a bed and Jack naked. Having fun. With his dog tags. <laughs> he's still got his dog tags on. Oh, that I was impressed those. about.
1: <laughs> you never take those off.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, you realise... Jack is literally in bed with a sheet-draped him. We it's just not something they do. No. It's never really needed. They allude to it. And yeah, they'll have intense conversations needed, yeah. and lingering looks, but that's about it. Yeah, or, like, at
1: Sam's house, I think, once or twice, you know, both getting up and having breakfast. Clearly they just spent the night together, but there was no
0: scene of them lying in bed together. With, what, with what's-his-name? Yeah, Pete. Was it Pete? They were engaged, so that was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> right, we hear some sort of alarm go off and everybody goes into the commun- con- communal sleeping uh, room. None of them bats an eye in the fact that Jack and cynthia are in bed. They all settle down and fall asleep. Jack
1: was disturbed by everyone coming into the room on him, though. He was clearly not pleased to have <laughs> company all of a
0: sudden. No, th- there are limits. Exhibitionism is not one of Jack's things. The team come in. Sam looks shocked. Daniel and Tilk, well, they don't high-five Jack, but they don't seem to be too disapproving. <laughs> Sam still looks shocked.
1: <laughs> yeah, and at this point, I'd say, at this point, Sam being shocked is more just a, a matter of military decency or whatever. Not, I don't think they've developed any interest Jack yet.
0: Yeah, mild surprise, mild uh, disapproval, perhaps. Nothing that, like you say, goes into the emotional core of the two of them as of yet. They figure out that uh, it may have been some sort of drug. Daniel saying he's going to always stick to rations from now on. Clever. They go outside next morning, Jack's got his sunglasses on. He looks the worst for wear, to say the least. Yeah, that's quite the walk of shame for Jack there coming out of the house. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he, he better have had a good time because he's paying for it now. Yeah. Drinks down a load of water and just lies back on the, uh, the concrete and looks like he's ready to go, go to sleep. Definitely some disapproval on Sam's face at him just kind of
1: telling everyone what to do and then he's going to down there and try to collect himself on the side of the fountain.
0: Well, he is in command. That's, that's his right.
1: Oh well, yeah, really not much he could do at that point anyway. Kind of had a bit of
0: frown on our face of Commander's drunk. We're back at the temple. Pelops, giver of days. People worshipped their god, gave them everything, as I said, the chosen. Food, shelter, the ability to party for 100 days. Tilt he recognises the, the writing on the statue as some sort of vintage gold. Daniel points out it looks like a combination. Tilt, what's the combination? And then he goes down and combinates away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'd remembered that the writing in that temple was linear A, but I forgot that was supposed to have then been Gaul writing. Yeah. One of the rare things they dropped in the show. In reality, we can't really translate linear A or linear B from the Minoans, whichever civilization it was. Had all sorts of interesting stuff from the Gaul that Daniel was suddenly able to translate and read.
0: Yeah. This is a particularly ancient dialect, though, so this is up to Tilt because they found a tablet, quite a fancy writing device. Also operates in yep. tandem with some sort of stone, which when you sway it over, like like an iPad, you know, just just wave your hand over it and the, the screen <laughs> turns. It's fantastic. And Tilt offers information.
1: Yeah, I, can say, I think this is the first time we saw those data pads, which made recurring return here throughout the rest of the series, especially with the Michalo.
0: Yeah, very secure method of keeping information if it's tied to one particular reading device. You can have the tablet, it's yeah. like having the book, but also having it encrypted as well. And if, you, if you've no idea what the technology is, it's just a, just a piece of uh, decorative art. But thankfully, we've got Tilk, and he comes to, uh, comes to the rescue. Although, it's going to take a while to translate, because as he says, it's rather ancient. Back on the beach of the planet Argos, as we get told here, Sam is taking some samples. Thetis walks up again with a young boy. <laughs> yes. Who is Danelle?
1: Yep. I start realising that 100 days is perhaps a bit more literal than originally
0: taken. Yes. He has aged <laughs> rather quickly. How long have they been there? It makes you wonder if there's accelerated growth as well through puberty to adulthood. Well,
1: it'd have to be after they got there. So that boy was barely 24 hours old. He was already yeah. looking
0: like four. Frightening that is really when you think about it. The amount of genetic workups that's gone into producing this human body that can tolerate that sort of growth spurt is uh, quite amazing. Nerdy would be proud of this sort of work.
1: That's actually one of the notes I made while watching the episode, was that Pelop seems to be actually a nicer version of Nerdy. They seem to be doing a lot of the same research. His research didn't have the, the extra cruelty to it that
0: Nerdy's usually seem to. Or else he's passed through that stage. He was just perfecting it. That's possible too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He finally worked through all his his lab rats and then chose the best 100 or a couple of hundred and took them to a new place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Entirely possible to gold.
0: Yep. Yeah. So we're back into the temple. This is where they finally learned some of the experimentation that Pelops has been doing on the people, the growth, and uh, they believe it's some sort of virus that uh, the people are born with. They're not quite there yet. There's still a lot of scientific research to do before Stargate Command figure it all out. They will get there, though.
1: Yes, they will. They always do.
0: Yeah. Back to the village. Tilk makes a very surprising observation that he believes that there isn't a life for these people to actually enjoy. You know, they look like they're happy, but they're not really achieving anything. They're not. They haven't got goals. And Tilk, having raised in a culture where you have standards you've got to meet, targets you've got to reach, yeah, I can understand why he can look at this and not really consider it worthy.
1: Yeah what he says it really makes it clear that they are more than little white lab mice because they the
0: food is provided the water yeah we do get a rather spectacular sunset (laughs) it kind of springs on him
1: well spectacular or bad grass one or the other yeah (laughs) that the sunset is quick and very filtered
0: yeah made me wonder if this was an artificial planet or planetoid or something you know this whole thing is, is a space station even
1: i never wondered that that's not a bad idea I just took it as as the universe is. He just found a nice, quiet planet off the the beaten track somewhere that met his lab requirements.
0: Yeah, maybe. Probably didn't want to draw too much attention. After all, the cooperation between system lords wasn't exactly uh, high on the list of priorities for anybody. No, not at all. We probably should be grateful, because if they actually ever did cooperate... Perhaps the only time they did was under Ra, the original, you know, embracing of humanity and division of the cultures and people to the stars. I think Ra kind of took a back seat then.
1: Yeah, basically, once Ra led them to Earth to get the humans, they doing what he was saying and broke off again.
0: Yeah. Anubis, the
1: other one got any unity, but he got that through just total fear. There was no real cooperation there.
0: Right, we uh, finally jumped back to Earth and the SGC and we're in one of the laboratories and Janet Fraser is doing some work. Yay, Dr. Fraser! Did you notice they handed over her through an half-inch floppy disk?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't catch that.
0: Oh, I saw that. I thought, <laughs> oh, happy days. <laughs> oh, great stuff.
1: I probably missed that while I was looking up Terrell Rothery to see if that was her first appearance in SG-1 or not.
0: Broca Divide first, wasn't it?
1: Oh, was she in that one? Okay.
0: Yeah, because she got to inject Jack and everything.
1: That's right. This broken divide was the first one we saw the doctor after the gold took over Walski or yeah. whatever.
0: That's right, yeah. They had, they needed a new doctor. <laughs> yeah. Again, they believe it's a virus. they cutting-edge computer technology, working a way <laughs> to an- analyze it. <laughs> Great stuff.
1: I was a little disappointed with how the quote-unquote virus eventually looked under their super microscopes once they actually
0: got pictures of it. Yeah, it was a bit low-definition, wasn't it?
1: The low definition wasn't as much the issue as, oh, look, the gold who fly around in pyramids have pyramid-looking nanotech. Whee!
0: <laughs> yeah, they'd probably do something different if they're going to do it now. but Yeah. Jack is noticeably older. They reckon that within two weeks, he'll be <laughs> over 100, so basically he's going to die on the planet. He orders the rest of SG-1 to go home. And they actually follow the order. Yes, quite amazing. They didn't last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it makes sense. you know. Daniel needs to be there ciphering the tablet. tilt has got to be there to help him out. And Sam's got to be there doing uh, science stuff. No point any of them sticking around. And let's face it, Jack has got company. You know, He can party for a few days, have a day off, party for a few more days. He'll be all right.
1: I had a minute of it back at the beginning when we first saw the couple having the baby. little toga tunic thing awfully shiny material seemed weird like this is a sci-fi show so we got to make their clothes shiny because you know it's a sci-fi show
0: well you you can't party all the time if you if you're wearing rough hemp and stuff like that you've got to have good quality flowing (laughs) garments okay and especially the (laughs) fact that yeah if you take away the flowing garments they weren't wearing too much no they weren't (laughs) i mean there were times probably a very good idea this wasn't shot in high definition or else you'd be seeing an awful lot of bobby that you shouldn't have been doing
1: yeah probably true
0: we jump back to the lab. Sam and Janet have identified the fact that whatever this is, it's replicating. They uh, figure out it's nanite technology. Sam chimes up that she spent a year studying nanites with a group in the military. So that's another year of a very short life uh, devoted to scientific uh, research. In addition to her time on the front line flying uh, aircraft over the Middle East, all sorts of everything else she did prior to joining the military.
1: Great. Right. And, you know, replicating, the first time that word gets used, and it's going to be used a whole lot over the next 10 years.
0: Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> they probably made a note. We're onto a good thing here. Highlight it.
1: I had a note. You noticed the, the floppy disk. When they cut back to the mountain, Cheyenne Mountain, they had one of the, outside the mountain with one of the Jeeps, the MPs. Yeah. You could actually read in the front screen of the Jeep. It said Sergeant Mac. Never noticed that before.
0: <laughs> when you start watching a program... Who make notes? you start spotting stuff that just flew right past you. Yeah. Right, we're back at the temple. Uh, it looks like Jack has actually picked a chair up, put it onto a a high point so he can look down upon this god, and then berate him for being a bad god.
1: It's a very Jack thing to have done, too. Yeah. General hatred and disdain for anything Gaul.
0: I mean, even Cynthia pops her right head up and says, "Are you talking to God? Can you do that?" <laughs> and then he goes in a little tirade against. Pelops, and then we get the revelation of the marriage cake.
1: And it looked like Jack almost dropped the F word there. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're married. <laughs> <laughs> well, you th- you think I sleep with anybody? Well, <laughs> uh, <you> yes.
1: <laughs> and I also noted that old Jack is grumpy Jack.
0: Yes, very much so. With with he the beginnings grumpier grumpier. of old man accent. I mean, Jack really does lay down the truth. It, it don't sugarcoat it at all theory is eh, can't say she's overly happy with some of the revelations or his attitudes. Not at all. all right, back on the lab, we've got the good old rubber gloves in the sealed container. What could be dangerous about that? These are nanites, you know. Obviously, they feed on yeah. using organic tissues. You know, so rubber is fine. Rubber is organic as well. So when the nanites start to <laughs> eat the rubber gloves, the alarms go off. Sam so trying to rip her hands out of containment unit. That's risky, because she then starts to bat herself down, and you think, thinking, well, oh, the nanites could be anywhere. Yeah, I was,
1: she went and washed her hands, and was like, can I help if the nanites got through the gloves before you pulled your hands out?
0: Yeah, you probably want some sort of EMP pulls.
1: Yeah, although I thought the way the gloves kind of disintegrated looked pretty cool. That was a pretty cool visual effect, however they did that.
0: You would have thought maybe with a bigger budget, they would have built a proper automated containment unit, computer-controlled devices to investigate built-in containment radiation washing that sort of thing just sticking your hand have you seen that movie life no mm, they're on the ISS and they have some martian samples and find a life form basically they've got a similar containment unit where, where you stick your hand into a rubber glove and muck about with this martian life form as you imagine it doesn't go well because they really haven't thought the safety proceeds through <laughs>
1: Come on, a real scientist is going to get hands on using computer-controlled hands. That's just for a tease.
0: <laughs> you should watch it. If nothing, it's not a bad science fiction. They tried to make another Alien, basically. That's what they tried to do. But oh, okay. you're watching it, you know, shouting at the screen. Why, why are you doing that? Don't do that. Do that. And they <laughs> pre- these very intelligent scientists proceed to do the dumbest things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, granted, there wouldn't be a film if they did everything sensibly. Right. Right, we're back at the temple. Jack is writing a goodbye note to Sarah, his ex-wife.
1: This might be pretty much one of the times she's really mentioned on the show in any real way.
0: Well, apart from Cold Lazarus, of course.
1: And that episode doesn't exist when we watch the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the natives come in bearing bowls of fruit and food and grains and all sorts of things as offering to their god. Jack, Jack goes a bit mental. He does he does his Moses, you know, coming down from the Mount and seeing all the pagan idols, you know, starts kicking things about, shouting and screaming.
1: I wrote down, older Jack is even grumpier.
0: He is, yeah. We should have a scale of grumpy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, thankful he does keep his hair. Yep. That's always a good thing.
1: The long hair is looking pretty cool when
0: gets all white. Jump back to the briefing room. General Hammond, he's actually pronounced that the Argos project is officially closed nobody likes the idea of this. As the general points out, though, Jack would be the first person to actually make this call himself. There's very little they can do. They can't keep sending people there. They can't keep risking the uh, return of some sort of nanite contagion. Yeah, it was
1: one of the more, even though you know, like Daniel was kind of forceful with his agreeing, it was one of the more subdued scenes in which Hammond tries to say, we can't help them anymore. We have to leave them where they're at.
0: I think at this point, Everybody was aware that there was nothing they could do at their end. I mean, Sam and Janet probably had it—a it—a Brit War. They haven't got the technology, the experience, the computing power to actually, you know, rip these nanites apart to find out exactly what made them tick. That was a few years away yet. Well, yeah. I mean, Sam doesn't have
1: the confidence you get doesn't yet have the confidence you get when you blow up a sun. <laughs> once you do that, anything's possible.
0: Quite right. Yep. Yeah. They cool us a bit here. We go back to the temple. We hear members of the team talking, and you go, hang on a minute, why are they back on the planet? And we see Jack sitting down, hunched over, and then we see the state-of-the-art video recording device and screen.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a dead-end weird lack of our, our video technology at that point.
0: Yes, we, we can make a TV with a two-inch screen. Let's do it. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> the battery won't last long, but don't worry about that. We get recordings of a very bland scene of Tilt, Daniel and Sam, against a looked like a kind of a white or bluish wall. I imagine that was filmed sometime, whenever.
1: Probably right there in the, the boardroom, the conference room they use all the time.
0: It could have been. I'm not sure exactly this early on in the season if they'd got to the point where they were filming three, maybe sometimes four episodes at the same time. True. They're probably taking it a bit easier, far easier to make mistakes this early on in the first season. But that device at the time, probably pretty high tech. Yeah, for
1: the time. Nowadays it's something you give to a three year old and you don't worry if they break it.
0: This is the point. The natives come in with the food to worship. Worth pointing out that his accent has really grown strong now. Yeah. And We even get her for crying out loud.
1: Somewhere in here is where his makeup, the, the age makeup, and I know some of it's just how he's holding his voice so he can have the old, but his jaw was moving even less than what the apes Jaws moved in the original Planet of the Apes movies.
0: Yeah, this is very delicate makeup, Richard. Don't <laughs> emote too strongly. <laughs> right. You're free to wave your hands about.
1: Especially when Kentia started trying to kiss him. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Kentia was kissing him there while they are sitting on top of the dais. That's where it really does kind of look like the Planet of the Apes lip makeup, so to speak.
0: <laughs> At this point, you know, the people have said that, you know, they live not in fear of Pelops, but with respect for him, they do... Worry about what he does if they defied some of the basic laws he laid down. Jack is pretty much convincing him look, you won't be struck down by lightning if even if you talk in a negative way, he says Pelops isn't going to help you, you're, you're his slaves, you're his experiments. Elicos isn't very happy about this, probably, you know, father of a newborn, but the newborn is running around kicking a football around at this point. <laughs> He's full on rebellion mode now. Yeah, for some reason, they find ropes and. The ropes were kind of surprising
1: to be found when no one actually does any labor at that village. I was kind of surprised with how the concept of being the slaves of Pelops got through to the guy, when they really don't have much of a literature or whatever for that to for me to think that that would have much meaning for them.
0: Yeah, it must have hit some sort of deeply buried instinct that once the blinkers are off, you see this world for what it is. You right. go to sleep when your god tells you you wake up when your god tells you... Uh, you eat, drink, and dance, you don't really think for yourself, and probably should be seeing a lot of people die. And where, the, where do the bodies go? Where do the bodies go? <laughs> do on the 100th day, they walk off into the distance?
1: You know what, I didn't think about it until just now when you said it, but your comment earlier about how maybe the growth, all the growth goes on while they're sleeping. Maybe that's when they die and the, the nanites just eat the body.
0: Ooh, and they wake up and the person they were with is gone.
1: Right. And so Pelops came and took that person to the heaven.
0: Ah, yes. Or we could throw a bit of Logan's Run. They all reborn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they go to the Carousel and come back. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, do, you really don't want to start delving too deeply <laughs> into early Stargate SG-1 stories, do you? No. You start seeing <laughs> plot holes that just get bigger and bigger as, <laughs> the more you look at them.
1: This was a really cool idea, but within the 45-minute episode, a lot of holes.
0: Yeah. We're back at the beach. Kim here and Jack casually walking along. Jack is very, very old, although his joints still still seem to be working fairly well. Uh, always useful. Walking kind of bow-legged, though. Uh, a little bit more, but like I say, at what age is he now? <laughs> it's all, They don't really keep track. True. They're yeah. playing Noughts and Crosses, which is tic-tac-toe in uh, American speak. Yes, I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, so you, uh, you like older men? She likes you, Jack. The <laughs> fact that you're older... I don't think matters to them at all. Perhaps because it's over so quick a time.
1: And I'm always surprised when I watch the episode, there isn't more made of the fact that Jack could be a a huge oddity to all of them. Yeah. You know, they don't have anyone with white hair in their village. They don't have anyone with wrinkly skin. They seem very blasé about the fact that he's even close to
0: that old. Maybe that was part of the impetus that got through to L.A.C.O.S. That could be. Of course, now we're watching the scene where it's night time, and everybody that's watching this episode is going, it's nighttime, why are you awake? And then Jack realizes, it's nighttime, why are we awake? <laughs> and you go, thank you.
1: Yeah, I could see Jack not realizing it's nighttime, because he had a whole life of nighttime to be used to. But I would have thought, would. the sun's gone down, why am I still talking to you? You know, why Why do we need the light from the
0: fire? This would be a first for her. Right. At this point they realize that you know they've they've walked for quite a ways on the beach they start the walk back and everybody's asleep in the village and it's daytime so something has changed what has changed in the last day oh yes we destroyed the statue yep (laughs) (laughs) oop (laughs) jack slowly looks around and walks Uh, i wasn't here thankfully they go to the statue they have a look sg1 gate back welcome back kids they find some control crystals embedded in the statue They identify them as uh, transmitters, a little bit more investigation, operate on two different frequencies. They speculate one is to wake people up, another is to send them to sleep. And they've got a specific range as well.
1: brings up, again, one of the plot holes you shouldn't look at. If Jack and Kenty were able to change, what did Pelops have in place to punish those who might wander away too much? Because I would think there would have been teenagers, so to speak, who wander off and realize that they can hang out far away from the village
0: you think that but if they go through their early adolescence that quick they're one day you, the youngsters running around half naked on the beach next day they're consenting adults and they can do what they want with it, whoever they want that's fair there is no room for teenage rebellion in this culture because you go through that stage so fast blink and you miss it <laughs> yeah that's true but again, the fact that we don't really know what happened to Pelops, you know, the idea is that maybe he went away expecting to come back, you know, in a few days, and something happened, and he never did. The world was attacked by another system lord, perhaps, and this was a secret experiment, which nobody ever found out about.
1: Yeah, I just assume that whenever they find something left over from a goal that's not around anymore, it was, oh, Ra or someone killed the guy and
0: go for his stuff. You're going to be more right than wrong, if you take that view. Jack Jack points out that you may have a slight prostate problem (laughs) what are you going (laughs) to (laughs) do we get one of the old sci-fi tropes where some sort of total physical change can be reversed with the minimal amount of work you're not getting old Jack, it's just imitating old age, as soon as the signal goes away and the nanites switch off you will return to normal Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's an easy out for any TV series any movie yeah and it's not the first time Stargate have used it, and it certainly won't be the last. No, and then there's the whole scene where he breaks poor into his heart, because he's going to go away. Well, to be fair, he is honest, and he does let her down gently. She's still got a whole life ahead of her. They are going to have to send some people there, because these people are not equipped to look after themselves for the next 50 years plus. Yeah. If our uh, speculations on child raising and development are correct, they, they're going to need a lot of help.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much going to have their hands held for the next generation.
0: And it makes you wonder who exactly is going to fund this (laughs) foreign aid. Yeah. (laughs) I suppose there is some technology to be taken from the temple that isn't needed now. There may be some power sources, some crystals and whatnot, which could be argued that fair payment. But we're all kind of leaving these people high and dry.
1: Yeah, more so than any of the other civilizations, SG-1 encounters literally have any concept of how to provide for themselves or defend themselves.
0: The only good part, I suppose, is they haven't been found in all this time, so the chances are nobody else is going to find them any time soon. True. Might have been interesting if they'd gone back there, but I suppose it's better that they didn't, because it could have complicated matters with Jack and Cynthia.
1: Although, didn't Jack mention at one point about retiring there?
0: Was that the plan that he, he planned to retire to?
1: About one of the times when he retired leave the SGC, he was going to go to Argos. And then there's also that other woman.
0: Yeah, that one that, yeah, that was 100 days.
1: Yeah. Jack's got a woman at every DHD in the universe.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, why not? And the episode ends on a freeze frame. Yep. That was bizarre.
1: Very, yeah. The ending was my least favorite part because it ended like some GC80s show. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Everyone's smiling and laughing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So out of character, you just won't. did I see that right? (laughs) But yeah. Brief Candle ends on a freeze frame where everything works out okay. Yeah. Strange episode, really. Everyone's happy. Yeah. Yeah, not a bad one, though. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't terrible. It could be developed a lot further. Some of the ideas they did look into in other episodes, obviously, as we said, Nerdy looked into genetically manipulating humans. Yeah, uh, Anubis, of course, was always looking for the perfect host. So was Apophis with the Arsicis uh, child. It seems to be a theme for the System Lords.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely a thing they returned to and looked at in really different angles each time they returned to it, even though it was still the same basic theme.
0: Yeah. It underlines the fact that the gold weren't total idiots. Amongst them, there were people of very high intelligence who not only had that intelligence, but had the desire to expand the technology and what they knew. They're not all content to sit on a throne and play God.
1: Definitely some innovators, potential innovators within the gold. That's probably why Pelop isn't there anymore. Nerdy was underground that she had been I think officially been killed so and those innovators with the exception of Baal tend to get because they spent too much time innovating and not enough time conquering and fighting
0: Even bold decided eventually to hide away in a corner of the galaxy with his own gate system So do you lot <laughs> I'll let you uh, fight it all <laughs> that. I'll be happy in my own little domain Okay then folks that was A Brief Candle an interesting episode from the first season of SG-1 The location work looked pretty good a little disappointed that the interior of the temple looked a little on the cheap side. They certainly do better work as the, the art department and the property department get a lot more skill under the belts. It looked like if you kicked it, you would not be able to knock a hole in it, which probably <laughs> yeah. could, you could. <laughs> the little village, though, that that looked pretty smart. That actually did look like it was sitting in you know in the middle of a little des- de- oasis type area near a beach.
1: Yeah, although the... The fountain really did, even though it looked, the outside looked nice, the fountain also looked like something you could get at your local DIY store for your backyard.
0: <laughs> that is probably where they got it from. <laughs> so much easier to buy it than just DIY it together. <laughs> yeah. Right then, Jeff. Thank you very much for joining me on this latest episode of Stargate Archives. Thank
1: you for having me again, sir. We had some problems with sound and everything. I got some thunder coming through again here.
0: Yes, we actually ended up with a thunderstorm yesterday while I was at work. I think we've had our summer. We had two or three days of uh, nice hot weather in July, and that was it. (laughs) I think we've already wrote summer 2017 off.
1: Yeah, this has been a really mild summer uh, here in the States as well, in my part of the the country. (laughs) Yeah. We only had about a week of really, really nasty, humid weather so far.
0: Which is handy if you haven't got air conditioning. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's very handy. (laughs) Okay, then, folks. That was a brief candle. But as always, if you would like to join me to talk, Stargate SG-1, Atlantis or Universe. I'm not going to be stuck to doing each episode in order, because obviously with Alan joining me a few weeks ago, when we covered an Atlantis episode, we're going to jump around a bit and not too worry. So if you do want to get in touch with us, stargatearchives.com is the website. stargatearchives.gmail.com is the email address. We are on Facebook and Google+, still under the old name of Gatecast. And on Twitter at the Gatecast. Please feel free to leave us an iTunes rating or review. Love to hear from you, Jeff. Once again, thank you very much for joining me. I hope you'll join me again.
1: Oh yeah, always happy to come on the Gatecast. Oh sorry, Gatecast, Gate, Stargate Archives now.
0: <laughs> yeah, lovely. Just <laughs> let me know what episode you fancy and we'll sort something out.
1: All right, I'll dig through the the list and see some episodes I remember really enjoying. Uh,
0: contact information. Where? What's your Twitter?
1: I am Wooz, I A M W O O Z.
0: Right, yeah, then. You can follow Jeff on Twitter. You can follow The Gatecast. I dare say if you listen to this, you probably do. <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably. Until next time, though, I've been Mike. I'm Jeff. Take care. Bye bye.